Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, everybody, and thank you for choosing King Jordan Radio for the 25th of July. The year is 2014. Tonight, we're going to talk about Eric Gardner, uh, the Staten Island young man that was taken down by police, and uh, we'll get into that situation. We'll also get into uh, the situation with uh, a NFL player that is in trouble with the law for smoking some marijuana. We'll also get into uh, Miss Aphrodite Jones's book, uh, The Michael Jackson Conspiracy, because uh, no conspiracy here, but she has a deal on it. So I am awaiting for her to call in as soon as that takes place. Um, we'll bring it right into the conversation. Of course, to hang here, you could call 347-857-2950, or you could Skype us through. And I believe we have uh, Miss Jones. Uh, let's bring her into the program. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, from the ID Network, formerly with Fox, she wrote millions and millions of books, uh, New York Times bestseller. She's back here on King Jordan Radio. Her name is Aphrodite Jones, and she joins us now. Good evening, Aphrodite. How are you? Good, King Jordan. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, I wanted to start with the uh, troubling uh, story that I sent you um, about the young uh, man that was uh, choked out in Staten Island and... Uh, well, let's hear this clip so the fans know what, what's going on, and then sure. I want to get your take on the other side. Okay. America's largest police force is facing a serious controversy over a video that's gone viral showing officers arresting a suspect who later died. The video is wrenching, and here's ABC's Ron Claiborne. In the video, you can see 43-year-old Eric Garner confronted by two plainclothes officers who are allegedly peddling illegal cigarettes. The officers move in to arrest him. One of them puts his forearm around Garner's neck. More police join in, pinning him to the ground as he cries out. The father of six was rushed to a local hospital where he died. Snatch my heart right out my chest like I'm not I'm an empty shell right now. No justice, no The incident has stirred racial tensions in this city. An unarmed man was subjected to a chokehold, and the result is he is no longer with us. As he spoke, Garner's wife collapsing by his side. <laughs> At issue is whether Garner was placed in a chokehold, a tactic banned by New York City police. It's defined in the department's uh, patrol guide that this would appear to have been uh, a chokehold. Police officers also appear to sit on Garner once he was on the ground, which could violate another NYPD policy. And two of the arresting officers have been placed on death duty while the incident is investigated by both police and prosecutors. This pending autopsy results to determine the cause of Garner's death. And tonight, the Patrolman Officers Union tells ABC News that at the time that police have, sometimes police have to employ the use of force in order to get compliance from an individual. The union went on to say that when taken out of context, necessary force can be misinterpreted, Dan, as excessive. A lot more to come on this A story. A lot more. Ron, thank you. 
Aphrodite, this has been a troubling case, at least in response to the social media outcry. Uh, Mayor, uh, not Reverend Al Sharpton, has taken place. I saw the video. I'm sure you saw the video. Uh, my mom can't even watch it. It's so disturbing. But what is your take on it? Well, the the idea that you know you watching first of all if if there if it hadn't been for people having cell phones and being able to take amateur yes. video we would never even have known what went down and that's really i think most troubling because we don't know what's you know what's really going on in the streets in in any given city especially in new york where there you know there's a presence of police force and the the police are going after these sort of low end if you will sort of very petty kind of crimes i mean what what, what 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 was the crime the crime was he was selling cigarettes that weren't were tax free yeah, like that maybe they cigarettes came from a different state or something i mean really <laughs> I, I, I just I find it I find it you know first and foremost I mean my God what they did to him oh. the fact that it resulted in his death is just devastating and then you know there's this the, the NYPD has a, a quote broken windows theory of policing I don't know if you've heard about it but um basically it's that these low grade crimes like drinking in public or, or you know uh making graffiti um can or selling illegal cigarettes can invite greater crimes or other um you know more violent crimes so like it's a slippery slope and so this is uh, the theory under which they were approaching Eric Gardner to begin with. I mean, again, why would you go after somebody who's selling illegal cigarettes? It just, it, 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 or not illegal cigarettes, non-taxed cigarettes. I mean, it, we have so much murder in the streets, so much violence, rape, horrible things that go on every day in New York City. And to think that this is what they wanted to focus on, some guy yeah, trying to, point. you know, maybe make a buck on the street by selling a, a cheaper cigarette? It's, I, it's, yeah, and I, you deal with all kinds of big crime issues, and this this got to be petty compared to, uh, you know, what you've dealt with in your career. Well, and, I, uh, for the cops, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I mean, I just came from doing a story on gang killing in, in Texas and in Houston where, you know, you're talking about serious gang members who are violently killing each other and drive-by gang shootings and serious violence. I mean, that's the kind of thing that you'd expect police to come in and need need chokeholds and need to, uh, you know, what are they? They they claim they needed to, uh, what was it, subdue Eric Gardner. Really? I mean, you watch the video and you can clearly see the man did not need to be subdued. He was he's arguing with them. Saying, he's actually saying, quote, I can't breathe. That's actually captured in the uh, cell phone amateur tape. Well, that's at that point, 
that's before they took him down, after they took him down. But even the fact that they took him down when they handcuffed him and put him to the ground, why? He wasn't resisting the handcuffs. I didn't see him, you know, uh, uh, lunging at anyone or doing anything. He had no weapons. It, it, they they put him on the ground to to clench these handcuffs, and somebody started basically holding him by his neck and and looked almost like they were sitting on him. I mean, obviously that was the angle from which we saw it. We know that nobody was sitting on him, but clearly. Right. The, the fact that the man kept saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Why would they need to be holding him in a chokehold if somebody's saying they can't breathe? It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. It's, it's, What's more mind-boggling is what desk, what desk duty, is that what they're giving him? Why yeah, they put them on death know, duty as opposed to um, putting them, you know, taking them off the force. I mean, you know. How about putting them in the, jail, awaiting trial? Well, like there is going to be civil people. action. I think there will be civil action now by the feds, uh, you know, looking into this. Um, but apparently, according to, you know, other news reports, there have been a thousand complaints in the last few years about the same kind of policing. So, you know, this is apparently the NYPD has been the subject of more than a thousand complaints um, in the last five years about, and this is civilians, that there's something called the Civilian Complaint Review Board. So people have been calling in and saying, look, we're being harassed. I mean, yes. it, it, you know, this is this is not this particular death of Eric Gardner is is bringing to light a bigger issue, which is the fact that I thought we were out of the days of the Jim Crow era. Hello, well, I mean, are, are we back in time here? That? For the calls that don't know what that is, can you please explain that? The Jim Crow. The era? Jim Crow. Oh, yeah. come on. Everybody knows what that is. You you go ahead and explain it. I, Do you not? I mean... Not, I don't have the information. I'm, I know it vaguely, but I don't know it. Okay. Too. Jim Crow era is a time period back in when, when we were right out of slavery and when, uh, you know, people of color were treated uh, like less than human. There was... Mm-hmm. They were treated... Uh, with different kind of laws, racial segregation um, at that time mandated that um, people of color, African Americans, would be segregated. So we're talking about back in, that went on from the late 1800s into the mid-1950s. So it, you know, it's, it enforced racial segregation in the South. And the whole idea of Jim Crow laws that, you know, were separate and were not equal is what was basically in play in American history, you know, 60 years ago and 100 years ago coming out of slavery. I mean, this is what this reminds me of. I mean... You know, this this man has basically um, 
was was stripped of his life for doing something that's a petty crime and i and and while it may be that white people want to say oh you can't make this a racial issue they didn't mean to kill him he had an asthmatic condition and he died you know it exacerbated his condition that may be true that they didn't go out to actually physically kill him that wasn't their intent but at the end of the day that is what happened and it happened because in my opinion he was a black man doing something that was illegal on the street and that was selling untaxed cigarettes and to me it it would be like going after somebody who was urinating on the street i mean I, I, you can make a I case mean, that's worse. <laughs> it, that's yeah, that's that's worse. But I mean, to go after to have multiple people go after a, a vagrant bum who's who's urinating in a in a in an alley, okay, and wind up killing the guy. This is this is yeah. this would never happen, in my opinion, to even a bum in the alley. No less to. You know, a guy who's who's married, who's got a family, who's, you know, a, a, a gentle giant, as he's been described, Eric Gardner, who, big deal, he's selling kids. cigarettes from another state that, that cost less than New York cigarettes. I mean, do you know how often this is done in New York? Like every day. <laughs> I mean, I mean. It, 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 even if this guy was selling marijuana, which is, you know... Uh, we could say, you know, is is a criminal act, um, be, uh, one level beyond what he was allegedly doing. There's just no nothing in his demeanor, nothing in what was around him that that mandated or seemed to any way, in shape, and form dictate that these police were doing the right thing by holding him down in that chokehold and surrounding this man. It just, you know, they want to claim that this was the protocol. I, I can't even fathom this being kind of a, a protocol by any police. If you were the uh, in charge of the officer in question, uh, what would you do if you had the power? Well, first and foremost, I would be uh, putting them immediately on, I'd suspend them from the force. That's number one. And then they would be looking at, you know, whether or not there could be, uh, you know, penalties. I don't think I, I don't think you can criminally charge them. They are peace officers, and it wasn't as though they deliberately set out to kill this man. So I don't think, legally speaking, you can criminally charge them. But you can certainly civilly charge them, and that is what's happening now. I mean, that is what Al Sharpton is doing is and the family has met with uh, federal prosecutors to look into the civil rights that have been violated, you know, for Eric Gardner. And I think to that degree they can be held uh, perhaps, you know, responsible and have to pay punitive damages. The police force will, not the individuals. I don't think they can go after the individuals. I believe peace officers are protected that way. Um but I, I would I would pursue it to the full extent of the law, whatever that would entail. But first and foremost, they shouldn't be on the force. They need to be, you know, in my opinion, kicked off. Right. As soon as I saw, saw that video, I thought that would be the first thing that they would do. They would, you know, it'd say, 
out of the horrific video that, I, that I'm watching, at least they would be kicked off at minimum. Well, and that's, you know, that's the thing is um, why I, I talk about Jim Crow. Obviously, saying that we're, it's like a Jim Crow, back in Jim Crow times, it's it's certainly, it's a little bit excessive, but it still reminds me of that time period where things were not equal and where where people were, you know, basically we were in a different era in a time where black people were treated completely different than white people or, and, and, or people of other colors. And in particular, I believe that this was a racial profiling and that this happened because this man was black. Just my, my opinion, but I don't think I'm alone in it. I think most of the people in the African-American community would agree with me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the question is where we go from here. What can this teach the NYPD with these chokeholds and stuff? Can anything positive come out of this hor- horrific experience, in your opinion? Well, I think... You know, Bill Bratton, who's the police chief in New York, um, talked about the fact that NYPD is going to be sent to uh, for more training, you know, additional training, different type of training. Um, I don't know exactly what that will entail because we're still, you know, in the midst of it. But... Um, eh. I will I will say this. The police brutality that they have shown is not only shocking, but it also is backfiring because it is now putting shedding light on the fact that New York City police are um are are using excessive force. Um and it it, it hasn't come to an end. Um this man was the father of six children. This man had a family. This man has a wife. I mean, it's it's just it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just they 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 killed the poor guy, but they also hurt many other people involved with uh, Mr. Gardner. Uh, I, I mean, I guess when you ask me what good could come out of it, the mayor of New York, uh, de Blasio, has vowed that he will make a full inquiry into the death. And um, I imagine in in doing that investigation, he's going to discover whether or not these particular police officers have a history in this. If there's a thousand complaints, I wonder if these any of these officers involved in this are part of those complaints. I mean, I'm hoping it is. I'm hoping it's not just pervasive in the entire NYPD. I'm hoping it's a few bad apples, but I'm afraid I would. we're going to find out something else. We just don't know. You know, where now, do we uh, go from here? Yes, yes. Now, how would you compare this to the Rodney King beating back in the 90s? Well, obviously... Uh, Rodney King is really a whole nother story. I mean, this could turn into another Rodney King type of case um, in the sense that people are furious about it. 
people are you know i mean there's a there's a movement and people are just um feeling that you know it's it's just time too much too much of this kind of crap is going on and the the offense that this man the supposed selling of cigarettes is so petty and the amount of force is so unreasonable that it it is possible that people in the community could could start getting out there and aside from just holding vigils and protests could really ramp up into something that will be um much higher racial tensions i hope not because i was you know in la at the time of the rodney king um riots and oh, really? it, yeah and it i mean it it became mayhem and at the end of the day i think there were reforms but um definitely but i don't know that all that violence was helpful to anybody because often what happened was the people in the african american communities were actually looting each other because of the you know it was mayhem so i think we're in a different era as to how it will be handled by by the public um and i mean i think also new york is not going to stand for inaction by the police commissioner and by the mayor i think back in you know 1992 when there were the riots that broke out in los angeles you're talking about um he took a real beating okay by the by the police we saw that all right and there was no reaction to it there was no immediate reaction to it um and so it's 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 quite a different you know a dis- different circumstance in that regard um i don't i don't know that i would i would agree with the comparison to rodney king i'm i'm hoping that that we don't go there i'm i'm just saying that this is reminding me about basically uh the fact that we still have this inequality and, and i mean I, I think everyone who's of color knows this and we talk about how prisons are filled with people of color and we feel that white people are treated differently by the law than people of color and yet it's never brought to the surface and eric gardner's death is bringing this to the surface and there's a videotape to prove it you know and that that's the, yeah. the reality is this has to stop they have to stop racially profiling people they they have to and uh you know Trayvon Martin you know people think he was racially but I don't think that's the same in any way shape or form same idea but it just it's racial you know it's it's alive and well well, I'll tell you one thing that, uh, that that also saddens me is that many white people are um, basically, not many, but certain white people, let me put it this way, would like this to not be a racial issue, okay, that are, that they're, the notion that because this man was overweight and, and perhaps was a smoker because he was selling cigarettes is what contributed to his death. Now, it, it's true that he was overweight. And it's true that um, 
it, it, I'm sure he had asthma and he was in poor health, and that if he was a fully healthy man and they put him down on the street and put him in a chokehold for for however long it was, nothing, you know, he wouldn't have died. But the fact is that is what happened. And the emergency workers who were there, it wasn't just the police. There were emergency workers there as well. And yeah, isn't it like the EMS? They got in trouble too. Yeah, they got suspended. They got suspended, and and you know the the emergency workers are you know are the people who are supposed to be there to protect and 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 make sure that somebody is not hurt. Right. You know, somebody said to me, you know, uh, an old gentleman said years ago, the police, the NYPD. We used to look up to them. We used to, you know, uh, think about, you know, uh, they they were the heroes. And now it's a totally different story, you know. Well, I mean, let let me say this. I am not going to tell you that I don't look up to police in general because I do. Police investigate serious crimes, and without them we would be a lawless society. So we can't sit here and say... Let's, you know, put put the stigma on all New York City police. I work with right. them. They solve homicides. They're they're putting their life on the lines. They're, you know, they they do. Um, most of the people that are in the force are people of integrity and who take their job very seriously. And let's face it, the New York City police are are of every color, creed, and sex. So, you know, I you can't throw a blanket over the whole NYPD, but not at all. But I do wonder about this particular group in Staten Island who have, and, and whether or not where all these complaints are coming from all over the NYPD, what is happening? Is there racial profiling that um, we just haven't had come to the surface? And I believe that this is showing us that there is. No question, indeed, and, uh, you know, that video I thought would wake up some people, and hopefully it still will, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I I was looking at your Wikipedia, and I think you were brought up in Chicago, right? I was raised in New York. I was born in Chicago. But, um, okay. So yeah. your bread and butter is in New York. Yes. Yeah, no, I grew up. And and I think, you know, again, at this point, we're 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 we are if if you want to think more closely about what happened to Eric Gardner, you have to think of him as a, as a man whose death is now making him a symbol of the divide that there is about the way people are treated by law enforcement. Period. And if you talk about, at the same time, all the police in New York, I mean, there's 35,000 cops right. in New York that are now going to be subject to be retrained because of the chokehold that was used on Eric Gardner. So perhaps this, you know, overuse of force um, is going to be 
uh, create perhaps uh, you know a different a different a different way that police are going to handle the way that they um, arrest and, and 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 go after people they feel are are committing crimes. An anonymous cop told me that quote as had this been only a regular NYPD, not that group, that undercover group, um, that would never have happened. What do you think? I think you're right. I think that men in uniform are more aware of the fact that they can't, you know, get away with, you know, doing whatever it is they think they want to do. Um, and... I think that, um, you know, again, this is this is something that's going to require a, a, a top-to-bottom review of the use of force by NYPD. And, you know, uh, Police Commissioner Bratton says that there need, the department needs to do more training, um, and he plans to dispatch a team to look at how the police in Los Angeles Department it's training. Um, perhaps L.A. has changed enough since 1992 that they can be a better example for what's going on in New York. Um, if anything, um, you know, now's the time for religious leaders to come forward and to emphasize that, you know, Garner's death should create a commitment by all people to come together and stop hating each other and profiling each other for our different religions, races, creeds, and sex. It's just... It's, it, 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 it. I mean, wait, let me ask you this, King Jordan. Would you think that a white person who's bootlegging cigarettes would ever be a subject of a takedown anywhere in this country, forgetting about just New York, do you think that that would happen? The takedown part, no. I do think, though, those those undercover dudes would hassle the white dude, but they would not resort to that type of violence, in my opinion. No, I mean, it, it happened in slow motion when you watch the video, and mm-hmm. it's it's not as though they when you say Rodney King it wasn't as though they jumped him and they you know were beating and battering him the way they were Rodney King they certainly didn't think that this was going to result in a death but when somebody no. is saying I can't breathe I can't breathe clearly they weren't listening they didn't think anything right. they were doing the chokehold or anything else had, was wrong and it's it's you know, it's tr- tragic, really. And when you see that video, what gets to the point of, like, why is he cuffed up? I mean, he doesn't have any weapons. He doesn't doesn't appear to be a threat to them. You know, this... No, he had no weapon at all. And, you know, I mean, at this point, you know, we have to wait for autopsy results and we have to see what the toxicology tests show if he had something in his system or if he had, but I, I highly doubt it. And I think 
once we do get back the official reports, we will probably be seeing the U.S. attorney to decide to open a civil rights violation investigation. That that would be my hope. And That's your that, prediction? Excuse me? Is that your prediction that's what's going to come out of this? I hope so. I hope so because basically, you know, we cannot continue to have omissions, lies in internal police reports on any of these cases, including Eric Garner's case. You know, um, there apparently there was a police report on this initially before that amateur video, which failed mm-hmm. to mention the chokehold and downplayed Garner's distress. So again, if we did not have that amateur video, this would have gone yeah. under the rug. And that's what's so, you know, Troubling. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He would have died. Nobody would have known. You do realize chokeholds were banned in 1994 in New York. NYPD banned chokeholds because a Bronx man, Anthony Baez, was killed by an officer who placed him in a chokehold. So this was an action that's banned. So when you say, when I say they should be taken off the force, they should be suspended, this is why. Uh, yes, that was totally illegal. Um, that type of force. I mean, it's, it, it's outrageous. It, the, the man wasn't even arrested. He was choked no. to death, and he wasn't even arrested. He wasn't even given his rights. Anything like Nothing. that, let alone what? Nothing. It's disgusting. It, it's outrageous. It's, I, you know. And I again, don't know what. If, if like, not, so, but for that that amateur video, they would have right. covered this up in their reports, and and with a thousand complaints, civil complaints that have been lodged against the NYPD in the last five years, you wonder what has been covered up in the reports. And and again, are we going? Are, have we gone back to Jim Crowier? Are we segregated? Are there two different standards for blacks and whites in like 2014 in America? I mean, right. like what, what is this? It's just awful. I mean, I I think I think the thing the good thing that will come out of it is that. Bill Bratton happens to be an excellent commissioner. I've met him um, when he was a Formerly of California, right? Yeah. Well, he was in New York originally, then to L.A. and back to New York. He's a a career police commissioner, and he is really dedicated to the work that he does. And he will get to the bottom of this, and he will make sure that this is somehow cleaned up and that that the the law enforcement – training that needs to be retrained and done will happen. The question is, I think, more about the individuals who did this at this point right now. Looking at he that... He's very and careful in his press conference, people say, unlike the mayor who said, looked at it more from a parent's standpoint and a father's standpoint. Um, very careful with his words, people are saying. 
Well, you know what? He has to be careful with his words. We all have to be careful with our words. You know, whenever I do an interview with you, I wonder if, you know, it's, if things could be misconstrued and taken out of context or somebody could, you know, start to think that I'm, you know, not making sense or that I'm going too far. Um, it, I imagine, for example, anybody who's a white person listening would say, oh, come on, you know, this is too much to be comparing it to Jim Crow errors and what, you know, am I trying to, to stir up trouble? And no, I'm not. I am just looking at what I see, and I'm, I'm calling it as I see it. But it, it is difficult in this for someone like Bill Bratton to be personal about a thing when these are people who work for him, and he's the head of 35,000 officers. He has to make sure that he's not th- throwing uh, a wide net over something that may be a very individual or specific to certain groups of officers type of problem. You know? No question. I do want to get to your book and your show, uh, but I just want to, uh, to get your take on this story. And uh, let's play this clip and uh, we'll talk on the other side. Welcome to The Fumble. I'm Crystal Marine. Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver Justin Blackmon was arrested in Oklahoma for the possession of marijuana. Blackmon's car was pulled over for a traffic violation when the officer reportedly smelled the odor of marijuana. Blackmon was then asked to get out of the car so officers could search the vehicle. According to the police report, Blackmon admitted to smoking a blunt of marijuana while he was driving and that a full blunt was contained within a box of Swisher Sweets inside the car. After a search, police said they found three grams of marijuana. Blackmon was arrested on one count of possession of marijuana and one count of improper passing on the left. Police said throughout the incident, Blackmon was extremely honest and cooperative. He's been released from the jail after posting a $657 bond. Blackmon has two prior DUI arrests. For more on your favorite athletes and their troubles with the law, visit us at thefumble.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Okay, I guess the issue is more of the marijuana and it's legal in some states and this guy just got arrested. What's your take on the whole marijuana situation? Uh, you know, this is uh, something that I, I personally, I, I personally think legal legalization of marijuana should be um, across the board. It should be federally mandated to be legal. Um, that's been my thought on it. You know, for my entire life, I just happen to be um, one of those people that doesn't doesn't think that it leads to uh other drugs and and violence exactly. i don't see right. marijuana that way at all um so i i'm not afraid of afraid of it you know i'm i just i just don't think it's a bad thing so um and the and the states that are making it legal for medical purposes um i applaud them because i think that marijuana can um help certain people with conditions of anxiety, but I also think marijuana can also make people mellow and just feel happier. And I don't see there's anything so horrible with it. It's a natural plant that grows from God, and I don't see why it has to be criminalized. That's just me. Um, However, because it is illegal and because this particular ball player has a history of DUIs, smoking it in a car is a lot different than, you know, being in the the privacy of a home and, you know, being in the privacy of, you know, your own life. 
I think when you're out on the streets and you're smoking it, you're now endangering other drivers, potentially. And that to that end, it's more like drinking and driving and being drunk and driving. I don't think it impairs you to the extent that drinking does, but it still is an impairment. And to that end, I think it's wrong. And so from that perspective, it doesn't really have to do anything to do with the legalization of marijuana or the non-criminalization of marijuana, but the fact that uh, this guy had a history. Still, he was being picked on, clearly, because he's, he's a famous ball player. And, you know, apparently, you know, somehow or another, he's got he's got other issues because why when you've got two DUIs would you be sitting in a car with all the fame you have in a place like Oklahoma City where you're going to stick out like a sore thumb people are going to know who you are and uh, be smoking pot in your car seriously I mean why would you right. use that I mean in a way that's like taunting the law I mean uh, to, on on this one King Jordan I have to say that I'm really you know of the opinion that this guy was was taunting the, the the law that he was f- f- flaunting his abilities to just be lawless and um even though it seems petty perhaps it is something that can actually um harm innocent people driving and and smoking pot and being high and not knowing where the hell you're going i mean all it takes is one eyeball off the road and smash so i i i do think that that uh, it's a, it's a completely different story there. So, in other words, legally uh, smoking it in your house, you would be okay with, but not out in the public, i.e., uh, a bottle of liquor. Yeah, I don't think that that anybody should be um, out in the public drinking or smoking pot or or doing anything that's going to be so mind altering that it's just it, it, not certainly not when you're driving on the streets. I mean, we right. you know that's not something that's allowed in, in in any any version of the legalization of marijuana, right? That's right. I mean and uh I'm not saying people don't do it. People do it. I'm not I know, I'm wish, I'm sure people do it every day. But is it legal? No. And it, somebody like this Blackmon who is, uh, you know, a hero, a local star in Oklahoma City, a small, relatively small, you know, world in terms of how many people live there. He, it would be like Mike Tyson lighting up a joint, and, you know, in a Rolls Royce and pulling up in the middle of, of Brooklyn with a, with a convertible. I mean, you know, you just don't, you don't taunt the Poor law choice. that way. You know, doesn't matter who you know. Especially if 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 you're somebody who's got fame, notoriety, and 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 people are watching you as a as a public figure, as somebody to to look up to, as somebody to be a role model. Uh, so, I agree with everything you said. I yeah, it's it's really it's the completely opposite side of the coin to to the you know to the Eric Garner story. Yes, you know? yes, much uh, mellower story, if you will. No well, it's completely. It's it's just it shows you the two specs how weird our world is because when you look at that you see we've come we've come so far that you know 
in that regard. Here's somebody who's making millions of dollars and he's a role model and he thinks that because he's, you know, the whole celebrity thing that goes to people's heads and they think they're above the law, that he can just go out and have multiple DUIs and smoke pot and and, and think and, and drive and, and possibly endanger other people's lives and it's okay. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, there was another uh, football story. I heard, I know you know of the Michael Sam, the uh, gay football, the open first openly gay football player. Yes. Former head coach Tony Dungy said that he would not have dealt with that distraction. Uh, what is your thought on on those comments? He would not have brought him mm. on the team because it would have been too much of a distraction. Well, you know, I honestly, yeah. I, I mean, I've been an advocate for gay rights for 20 years. And I think that in watching um, the the progression that has been made for gay rights over these 20 some odd years, 25 years, it, it's clear that we've come such a long way. And I believe that having this, this particular player on the team, openly gay, is is a great stride in in gay rights. That said, I will not fault a particular coach for feeling it's distraction or uncomfortable or strange for in in their, that person's mind his players to be in a locker room with someone who's gay. I don't know. I'm not in those shoes. I you know, I don't know that world to say I don't know. I've never been in a football locker room. I don't. I don't know what goes on there. I mean, is everybody naked together in showers? I. I don't know. I. I, I just. I. I, I can't. I can't speak to it because I, it's hard for me to relate to it to say. Um, if one in, one particular coach feels it's quote a distraction and he's not comfortable with it, is is that wrong to say that? I don't know that it's wrong to say that if that's really the you know the way that he feels. I I, I feel that it's not necessarily a step, step in a good direction for gay rights, but people have also the right to 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 have their voice their their own concerns, their own feelings, and their own thoughts about things. Um, and he did. So I I, I think we have to be careful in in our society. To, so as to not make it a place where no one can say anything. You know, you though you you bring up a great point though with the gay uh, issue, and at least from when I was born to current, the uh, people that are coming out, it's in much more um, people are coming out much more. Uh, people are much more accepting now. You see people on teams like uh, I just mentioned. There's uh, you know first time on, on the NBA. We had a openly gay player, and the reason I say openly is because, uh, you know, I saw Charles Barkley in a round table of them, and he said, "We all play with gay people." That's his yeah. quote. So, well, yeah, and so, and you know something, we have gay newscasters, and 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 openly, Anderson Cooper is gay, for God's sake. Um, Shepard Smith is gay, um, you know, and they're they're they've come out of the closet. There, and these are people from Robin, both uh, Fox and Robert, CNN. Robin Sorry? Roberts, I think, is right. Did she come out? Well, I don't know. If I yeah, I think she is out. Um, yeah. You know, but but you know, my point is that all of all of these 
these uh, strides that the gay community is making in in all these different fields, um, and in our in our lives in our daily lives, is is really is a testament to the fact that we are growing as a society. So I mean, on that level, we have become more accepting. Um, and and that's why you know again why I get so outraged about Eric Garner because yes. I feel that this was racial profiling and I feel I, we've gone back in time on this one. Um, when you ask me about though whether or not a college coach is right for or wrongful to say he didn't wouldn't like it he felt it would be a distraction does he have a right to say that he has an absolute right to say that. Would I choose to say that? Do I think it was right for him to say that? I mean, it, it certainly doesn't help gay rights. Didn't need to be said, but apparently somebody must have asked him the question, and that was his honest response. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a, a religious guy, and that's how he said he just doesn't believe in that. That's what he said in the interview on NBC. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, I mean, you know, I didn't see the whole interview, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm responding to what it is you you telling me he said. If this is going right. to his religion, then that's a whole nother matter because then we're back in time with the whole. I I, I have a big problem with people hiding behind religion to yeah, to condemn a lifestyle of people who, to me, are biologically um, the way they are, not not, you know, choosing to live some kind of alternate lifestyle, which is what I think many religious zealots call it. Um, That's different. I thought you were talking about somebody who just didn't want the distraction with among his players in a a shower. You see, you threw this at me and I wasn't planning to talk about it, so I didn't really read up and I don't know. Um, I think it's great there's a gay player out on, on the football field. I think that it says a lot for us as as a society that we're moving forward in the world of gay rights. And if this coach is openly, you know, basically throwing that away under his religious religious beliefs, I I'm less likely to be, you know, everybody has the right to believe what they want to believe, but it, I'm not thrilled. Let me put it that way. Not thrilled to hear that. <laughs> no, I I definitely agree, and that's uh, an interesting subject. Okay, so um, tell me uh, how is the tapings going for your upcoming? What is it, season six now? It's season five, show? and it's going well. Um, as I said, I was just in Houston um, covering a story of a uh, Hispanic gang, um, a violent situation that happened in. Um, in 1999, um, so it's been 15 years that these people are looking for justice, and it's a very interesting story because it has to do with an illegal alien who was here and skipped the country, and no justice was served on one of the, the on the main on the mastermind of this brutal murdering of, of a 17-year-old girl. So it kind of goes into a different, you know, a different issue that we have here, which is the whole illegal alien issue and how um, illegal aliens somehow and sometimes are able to elude justice here. Um, the stories that I'm doing this season are um, 
you know, like always, high high impact stories, um, things that have bigger issues sometimes to them than you know just the crime itself. Um, but always, again, you know, my heart is always with the victims and the families, and um, it's very difficult for me when I'm out with these family members, um, you know, to to have them relive and go through um, what their torment really is. And, the, you know, they really live the crime every day of their lives, unfortunately. It's not something when, when someone is murdered, when someone is killed, um, it's not just the victim it's the parents, it's the aunts and uncles and the grandparents and the sisters and brothers and 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 nieces and nephews and I mean it goes on and on and on and it's it, people don't realize that what the 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 swell is of the effect of any given um, murder and it's. Uh, it's very it's very traumatizing for me when I'm on the road, frankly, and that's one of the reasons why I stay off Facebook and Twitter. I just don't do it um, because I'm 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 so engulfed in these stories that I'm handling and in the the personal the personalization. I take it to heart. So um, you know, yeah. I'm I'm in the midst of it and I'm in the thick of it, and it's um, and it's also a lot of work and. Uh, won't be airing until early next year, so that's right, what's happening with season five. Sorry, I did catch it. I, yes, I, I said before you know it'll be here. Yeah. Uh, but they did air. They did air something uh, six in the morning before I, I was off to work. Uh, one of your old episodes, I think, on a Wednesday, if I'm correct. Yeah, I think so. they had a, my series running all week on a, a six a.m. one week. Somebody. A few people were telling me this. I, I don't know why that hour. I, <laughs> I don't know who's watching that at, at my show at six a.m. But you know, um, I I have no control over programming and no say in it either. So yes, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you would like the whole world to, with the DVR at least. You know, I don't know if you have one, but it's of course, such a great feature. Yeah, such a great feature. You know, a lot of people don't have it still, but it's such a great feature in that you could, you know, forget about not being being too late or whatever, or just you watching something else. With that uh, DVR, you could just, I could tape your show, watch basketball, and uh, you know, you're pretty much set. And yeah, you no, that's true. I, and I do hope that, um, you know, if people haven't seen my show or haven't seen all, you know, there's there's been a number of them now that there's been four seasons out there, that if it, if it is on the air on ID, that people will DVR it and take a look. Because the work that we do, um, my team, I have a tremendous team of people around me that really, that really work right? hard to tell these stories. And that's that's probably very important to the success of your show is the people around it, right? Absolutely. I have phenomenal producers, and everybody involved is, is really, um, they also take these things to heart. This is not this is not fun and games for, for people involved, not on my show. And I don't think on any of the shows on my network, actually. It's really a difficult thing um, that we do. And um, 
I don't think people realize how how much of a toll it takes on the producers, on the associate producers, and uh, you know everyone involved. You know, even the actors who play these parts for the reenactments. It's it's heavy. It's very heavy because you yep. know that you're t- you're dealing with real life. It's not. What you know, show are you most proud of that you that you did in the last uh, half a decade? Oh, I would say, without a doubt, the John Benet Ramsey episode, because when I did the mm-hmm. episode on John Benet Ramsey, I was able to show that the police really got it wrong. It wasn't the Ramseys; that there were two sets of footprints in the mudroom where John Benet was found, and the police never. Um, wanted to acknowledge that and I have the evidence photos which I went through with one of the law enforcement in Colorado and we show it we show all the evidence on that show to basically prove that it was not the Ramses so if you ever have a chance to see my episode on Jean Benet I would say that was the best thing I've done and uh, this is a bold question but I'll ask you how do you feel that your shows are on YouTube I, I don't. Are they on YouTube? Absolutely. Oh well, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Some people. I mean, I don't know if the network wants them to be on YouTube, but I'm I'm happy to know that. I, I, I again, as I said to you, I have no control over the programming or the internet or any of that stuff, and and frankly, um, well, you, you know, type my, in your name, your shows will come up. I didn't know that. You know what? I'm not. Yeah. I'm not uh, as savvy with the internet. I'm not as much. Uh, I don't. I don't uh, get on there as much as I should, for sure. Um, but the and certainly the last thing I do is look for myself on the internet. <laughs> I mean, I use the internet to search and research what work I'm in right now. I, I rarely look for myself on there, so I I wouldn't even know that. I honestly, I didn't even know that. Well, did you read your Wikipedia? They did a great job. Well, you know what? I have I actually that needs to be updated. I have to have somebody go in there and update it because I don't I think that was done years ago at this point. But um you know, I I think that uh again, I I I'm so busy in what I'm doing in the moment. I really focus so hard like a laser beam on what it is I'm doing and I'm always looking to the next thing that I'm doing. So I, I really, I rarely look back. I really just don't. And um, right. people tell me, you know, things like what you're just telling me now that my shows are on YouTube. I didn't know they're on YouTube. I, I don't, I don't think they're yes. supposed to be yes. on YouTube. I don't, I don't know no, who I put don't them think... there. I mean, I don't but even watch. Personally, you don't mind, right? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, how are they put there? You know what? I'm not a YouTube person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a YouTube person. Well, they upload it, you know. They upload it through the, the VCR, through the yeah, the lot of technical. If Ramble, I only Ramble, knew what, how to do that, I would probably try to do it myself. Except I would get in trouble with the network if I did that. So, <laughs> I, I, all I can tell you is, honest to goodness, I di- I didn't, I really truly didn't know that. I, are you sure? I, I don't imagine they're whole episodes. They must be pieces of episodes. They, they, some of them have the whole episode. Some of them have part one, part two, part three. Okay. Well, I would love to see. I would love to see a link of one. See if you can There's find me the Zombinet one. one. 
The Michael Jackson the John, the one, Michael I know, Jackson I do know that the Michael Jackson one is on there. And I know that because Michael Jackson fans are a different breed altogether, and they do what they want to do. And so that and, I know about. I know it's up there in pieces or bits or pieces. I knew that. I've always known that since that aired. It's going to be five years ago that that, that thing was taped. Well, yes. um, but it did celebration. What's your thoughts on uh, Wow. Can you believe it's five years already? No, I cannot believe it's five years. And, you know, the the thing is that strikes me the most is that, you know, many people in the beginning were adamant to me, personally saying to me that this is a hoax and this is Michael's publicity stunt and this is another stunt and he went to South America and and, I'm th- and, and even all over the world when I went to Italy and talked about the book in Italian and uh, the the woman running conference said to me, you know, I believe Michael's alive, and this is just, you know, a publicity something. That the, was a year the later. The woman running a big conference like that is telling you that you think Mike's alive? Yep, yep. <laughs> and this is a year later. I and know. I thought, you know what? Um, I just need to, or even two years later, I, I believe it was, I just you know, felt that that moment, you know what, I need to not argue. Because, you know, there were people who wanted to argue with me about it. And I thought, oh, you know, you know I, I'm not going to argue about it. I understand that, you know, there's there, Michael has fans who just do not want to accept that he's gone. And so the way to do that is to just go into complete denial and come up with anything that they can grasp to believe that he's still here. And, and you know, why argue with someone like that? Why create, you know, more angst for that person? Um, all I do say, and you did used to say to them is, I know that Michael would never leave his children, you know. Right, so, that's smoking gun in that. And look, me, there were so many trials, like how would he, you know, you would have to get thousands of people to get in on that if that scenario ever picked, took place. And I I heard a couple people faking their death that that has happened, but the odds of somebody that famous to do something like that is just almost nearly impossible. So no, it's not even I, that. I mean, come on, I I cover his memorial service. You know, right. I was there. I mean, you really think that he would allow his children to sit in front of a coffin and cry? Come on, this is not Michael no. Jackson. He would never do that to those children. Never. And I think there were people that said that about Elvis, right? Well, that's the thing. There's people who have said that about Elvis for years, that he's still alive, still alive. You know, it's just, (sighs) you know, it's a a phenomenon of uh, wishful thinking, I suppose, you know, or devastation or both. Exactly. Well, speaking of the King of Pop, you did write a book uh, in 2007, not after he died, like a lot of others. <laughs> you picked right. up on it uh, uh, in 07, right when he was alive. I think he's on his way to Japan in the midst, and it's called The Michael Jackson Conspiracy. It's one of the hottest Michael Jackson books on Amazon, and uh, you are having a uh, special, too. August 11th. Can you please explain? Yes. Um, actually, I just put that book into um, ebook version two weeks right. ago. So that has never been an ebook until now. So it's been out for five years. 
I, I'm not, like I say, very savvy with the e, with the internet as much, so I had never had it as an ebook. So it's actually downloadable now on Kindle, Amazon, or you know, Barnes and Noble, any of them. Um, it's downloadable for the first time, so people can actually read it for for you know very for little little money. I think it's five ninety nine, and um, wow, that is little. It, it is because uh, apparently the uh, I mean I know that the publisher that originally had this were, were charging thirty one dollars for the book back in time, um, but. Also, apparently on April, I'm sorry, on August 11th, Amazon is doing some kind of a special. I don't know. They chose my book to be some, they chose Michael Jackson Conspiracy to be some special, I don't, I, truly I don't know what it is because I didn't create the ebook. Somebody else had to create that for me. Um, but whatever the case may be, the the price will be, somehow changed and lowered somewhat on that day. I don't know what exactly the pricing or what's going to happen, but either way, if there are people who want to read this book, and I've gotten so many requests over the years for the book from people, it is now out there as an ebook. It's my first ebook or second ebook, I think, now at this point. Um, and I'm finally joining the uh, the new era of what's been going on for, what, the last decade, I suppose. I don't and, think that long, but half a decade at least. But Yeah, whatever cool. it is, yeah. um, I'm finally there. And, um, you know, I just do know that there's a lot of Michael Jackson fans who would actually like to read that book because it does show what went on at that trial and, and talk about the truth of Michael Jackson's life. And, um, again, Tom Nezra wrote the forward and, and uh, you know, it, it definitely shows you uh why Michael was found not guilty and um people have not people have never had the opportunity to read it as an e book before. So whether or not, you know, they're interested definitely August eleventh on that particular day, there's gonna be it will go down in price for that one day and then otherwise it's available. So I hope that whoever wants is interested will will uh, t- check it out. I guess click on it, whatever the, it needs to be. Amazon. And uh, Tom Mesero said, "quote It's a good book for justice." So uh, he was on here and uh, he said that, and uh, yeah, I agree. You know, you what? prove that this family is a pack of liars. That you know, at least. Um, definitely they do lie. You know, there's no doubting that everybody could agree on that. I also prove that the media miscovered the trial, and that's the big thing. The big thing is, again, what do the media do with things? And in Michael Jackson's case, they took, took, in my opinion, the media took his life away from him because it was after that trial that his life really spiraled out of control. He left the country. He never had a home again. He he became sort of a nomad, and he he was in his trying to recover from that. He wound up dying. So that's just my take on it. But I will say absolutely that you can see from what I wrote in that book that I lift the veil on the media in that book. And you get into the all aspects of the trial, basically, right? Oh, definitely. I get in the aspect of the trial and show that the media was not giving the public. 
the the true picture of what was happening inside the courtroom. And you get you know. to see Tom Mizero live in action. How is he as the defense attorney? In your I think opinion? he's the I, I think he's the best defense attorney in the United wow. States. Wow. I do really. Wow. I mean that there's really? I mean and I say that because this man is he's he is like a boxer going into the ring when he's in the courtroom. I mean, he Funny, is he no nonsense. And yet at the same time, he's very gentle soul. So you have right. both operating at the same time. You could see him with Michael where, you know, he talks about Michael being one of the the, the kindest individuals he's ever met in the world, one of the pe- people with the most integrity and love and, and everything in his heart. And um, and Tom Israel has a lot of integrity. So when he says something like that, I, I take that to heart because Tom was getting calls from Michael at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning during that trial, Michael crying and scared to death, not wanting to go back to court every day. You know, Michael was a, loved his fans and he loved to entertain, but he was not one to want to be, who no one wants to be on trial for, for criminal acts and, and, and have the whole world looking. But he also wasn't one for that. That wasn't his platform for for sure. He didn't understand it. He didn't, he didn't, you know, understand why he was being persecuted. He felt he was being persecuted. And Tom Mizero was able to uh, give him some solace and get him through that and assure him that, you know, look, you're innocent and you're going to be found innocent. And that is what happened. Do you think, you know, and this is another bold question, if Mark Garagos would have stayed on the case, that Mike would have lost? No comment. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I don't think I, I think that Michael should not have, should not be have have lost any case. Regardless, he didn't do anything right. wrong, and it was trumped up. But, you know, sometimes if you have a lawyer who's mugging for the cameras and not paying attention um, and not being a laser beam and not being, a, you know, a thousand percent on it, you might have a verdict like a Casey Anthony. You might have a verdict that the jury just feels confused or feels yes, they can't come to an agreement or feel, you know, I don't think so in that case. I don't think so. I don't think anybody could screw it up. But if anybody could screw right. it up, I, I, that that could be there could be a few names that would come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Did I answer that well? Yes, yes, you answered it perfectly. Uh, we're noted writer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are funny. You're funny tonight. Well, look, I thank you so much for having me on. And, yes, um, it's a pleasure. Your book is uh, Michael Jackson Conspiracy. Of course, they could buy it in uh, Barnes and Noble and uh, online at Amazon.com. And your show is on reruns in the mornings. And now you learn that your show is on YouTube. So uh, good to know. Please send me a link. I would like to see that. Yes, I will do that shortly. <laughs> and okay. Thanks for joining us, Aphrodite. We'll see you. Uh, on the 29th of August. Yes, we'll absolutely. Absolutely. Birthday, right? Look forward to it. Okay, thanks. Awesome. Have a great night. You too. Okay, okay ladies and gentlemen, that was the great Aphrodite Jones. You could uh, get her book 
Michael Jackson conspiracy in bookstores now, and right now up until August 11th, is a sale on the ebook. Also, ladies and gentlemen, coming up on August 29th will be the Michael Jackson birthday bash with names such as Aphrodite Jones, as you just heard, William Wagner, bodyguard Mike Garcia, bodyguard Kerry Anderson, and making his return, Tom Mesero. Tom Mesero will be back right here on King Jordan Radio. It will be a three-hour spectacular, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you dare miss it. We will have a live uh, performance. You could Google them, uh, YouTube them. Nicole and Scotty will sing a Michael Jackson song for his birthday. Don't want to miss it, folks, on the 29th. Tuesdays at 8 p.m., we discuss the world of wrestling. If you're interested in that, listen to that. Ladies and gentlemen, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. King Jordan and uh, Ms. King, King Jordan Radio, Facebook.com forward slash King Jordan Radio. And uh, that is the uh, story for here. It was a pleasure having Miss Jones on. She is awesome. She is funny, and she is talented, and uh, we look forward to uh, having more shows. I know I haven't been giving you a lot of uh, shows during the summer. Uh, We will have, you know, weekly shows more as we get closer to, uh, you know, mid-August, I would say. But in any event, everybody have a great weekend. If you're listening to this on uh, during the weekend, I hope you're having a great weekend. And uh, please uh, spread the word, King Jordan Radio. Uh, we've been around a couple of years now. And uh, thank you. Thank you to so much. There's lots of archive shows that you can listen to. Uh, go for it. All right, folks. I'm heading out. It was great. Listen, it was great talking to the one and only Aphrodite Jones, and uh, that's it. I am going to watch. Uh, I'm going to watch ABC's 2020 right now, and uh, I think you should do the same. <laughs> Have a good night, folks. <laughs>